or God as your father, right? You can just call it that. Um, I think the starting point really is um, when you talk about knowing God as your father, uh, it's something that must become personal. I don't know if you, you understand, eh? It's something that must move from just being in the abstract and it must become personal. So when we talk about God being your father, like I said, it's something that must be personal. I'm reminded of a time when, uh, when God appeared to, to Moses. I don't know if you remember that in Exodus chapter number three. God appeared to this guy called Moses and he introduced himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, right? Remember that, right? Now, I explained last week why it, why it was relevant for God to introduce himself that way. For those of you who were in church. <laughs> However, a time came, uh, God had, this, this is the, the interesting thing about God. So God gave the children of Israel commands. And one of them was that they were not supposed to marry outside Israel. <laughs> All right? They were, never, they were not supposed to marry outside Israel. They were just supposed to marry from within Israel. Now, the laws came by Moses, right? Including that same law. <coughs> Moses decided to marry a woman from Ethiopia. According to the Bible. So, Aaron and Miriam were upset about that. Say, look, God said we shouldn't marry from outside Israel. But here you are, you brought this woman here. And what not. <laughs> were, were they wrong? They were correct, right? But the Bible records that God came while they were saying all those things. and spoke to Aaron and Miriam and said, why are you not afraid to speak against my servant? Who I speak to face to face. And the Bible says, the Bible records that God dealt with Aaron and Miriam, not with Moses. Interesting. Another interesting scenario is when God gave a command, or rather God gave an instruction when uh, Lot and his family was leaving Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible records that they were told that whoever looks back, right, will be turned into a pillar of fire, right? Right? I wish I, could, I wish I could show you from the scriptures everything I'm talking about. But I'll teach on it extensively one day. So, Lot's wife, we know the story, right? She turned back and turned into a pillar of salt, right? The next verse, the Bible records that Abraham looked in the very direction and nothing happened to him. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> there are some things that are personal. <laughs> but anyway, I'll not get into that. All right? But the point is, later on, at first God introduced himself as the God of Isaac, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Later on, when God was dealing with the Israelites, he was now the God of Moses. He was not just the God of Abraham. It had changed. So Moses now could, could now say, my God. All right? Now, the reason I'm putting that across is, is very simple. Until your revelation of God becomes personal, you will not fully benefit from what you're supposed to benefit from God. I don't know if you understand. Just like an example, there's a difference between a phone and your phone. Right? <laughs> there's a difference between a room and your room. There's a difference between just a shirt and my shirt. There are things that are entitled to you and you deal with them a certain way, right? Because you're the owner. You understand that, right? There's a difference between everyone else's mother out there and your mother. She may not be a darling to the whole world. <laughs> but to you, <laughs> she's special, right? Yeah. 
just like when you have, you can have, let's say your, your father can be the most scary man in society. Everyone can be afraid of your father. But for you, it's different. <laughs> you get it, right? There's a difference. Everyone, all your relatives can be afraid to approach your father and talk about something. But for you, you just simply walk up there, just sit down and start talking to him. You understand that, right? Why? He's your father. Or she's your mother. You understand? Or that's your brother. Or that's your sister. It's personal. And because it's personal, because it's something that uh, not everyone in the world can claim to have, it means the way you relate with the person will also be different. So even how you relate with God, when you understand that God is actually your father, how you relate with him will be different from how everyone else may relate with him. So it must move. When you talk about God being our father, everyone in the world claims that God is their father, right? But is that so? According to the Bible? No. So everyone in the world can say God is my father. But for you, has it become a personal revelation? What's your definition of a father? And is God that to you? Let's get into the scriptures. So, like, the first thing we must note is that revelation must become personal, right? James chapter number 1, verse 17. 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 Are we there? The Bible says, maybe let's for context, let me, let me start reading from verse 16. James 1, 16 and 17. It says, James, chapter number 1. Mm -hmm. I always repeat over and over again because I always see someone asking their neighbor, what did he say? Mm -hmm. James what? <laughs> James, chapter number 1, 16 and 17. It says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. It says, every good and every perfect gift is from above. In other words, if it's not good, it's not perfect, it's not from above. Are we there? Mm -hmm. And it says, and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is, no, there is no variation or shadow turning. So the Bible here calls God the Father of lights. That's number one. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can see that. Because mm -hmm. God what? I want you to respond. Because God what? Yeah. Then I say the father of light. So it's, it's not singular. I say the father of lights. That's plural. In other words, there are many. And last week, I did mention about uh, being the light of the world, right? Yeah. And we've seen that in the book of uh, Matthew, chapter number 5, verse um, 15 and 16. Right? So God here is being referred to as the father of lights. In other words... God himself being light, he gave birth to lights. You can't give birth to something you're not. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. You really can't give birth to what you're not. An example. First Peter chapter number 1 verse 23. I'll not, I'll not read it for you, but just write it down. You can read it at your own time. First Peter chapter number 1 verse 23. The Bible says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. That's what the Bible says, right? It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. So in other words, when God decided to bring a new kind of, of, a new kind of, of species into this world, it means they were born again by the incorruptible seed of God. What it means to be incorruptible, it means it can't be corrupted. It means you can't trace sickness in the seed of God. You can't trace darkness in the seed of God. You can't find it. I don't know if you understand. Of Jesus, the Bible says in John chapter number 1 verse 4. Let's get there. It's talking about Jesus. John chapter number 1. Maybe from verse 3. 
right? I love I love John one. Let me start reading for verse one, just because I love it. John one verse one. <laughs> you know, focus on point down to focus on. John one verse one says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." So he says, God was actually the Word. All right, and then he says, verse two says, "He was in the beginning with God," mm-hmm. and then verse 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 three says, "He says all things were made through Him." And without him was nothing made that was made. And then verse 4 says, In him was life. Have you seen that? In him was what? In him was what? Now this is talking about the God kind of life. There's a difference between the life that human beings experience and this life that the Bible is talking about here. It says, In him was life. And then it says, And the life was the light of men. Have you seen that? It says, And the life was the light of men. And then it's verse 5 says, and, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. You know what that means? It means the, the darkness cannot defeat this light. It means that this light shines in darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. It, it, can't, it can't bear this light at all. This, this, this is giving a description of the life we've received from God. It's a perfect description. So when the Bible calls him the father of lights, and that life, well, that light, well, that life was the light of men. You know what that means? It means we are, we are born to shine. It means we are born to we are born to give light to our world. We are not born to contribute to darkness. No, we are born to give light to the world. So when the world is in chaos, we are the light that brings peace. You understand? When the, when the world is, is, is confused and they lack direction, we are that light that brings direction to the world. That's in the Bible says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. You know what that means? You know what, what you do with a candle? You light it up, right? And give light to everything. So the Bible says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. In other words, when God wants to bring light to a place, he just lights up the spirit of one man. That's what he does. Are you following? Yeah. So God is called the father of lights. He's called the father of lights. So where you are there, you may not see it, you may not feel it, but you actually are a light. You are. You are. Whether you realize it or you don't, you actually are. Hallelujah. Yeah. And this must be your confessions on a daily basis. You confess it, I am light. I am light. And then the Bible also calls God the Father of glory. Interesting. In, um, in Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 17. Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 17. I told you, you can't give birth to what you are not. A human being can only give birth to a human being. Ephesians 1, verse 17. Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 17. I also love Ephesians 1. Maybe I just love the whole Bible. <laughs> I've ever sat down to read the Bible and you just can't stop. Before you know it, you finish the whole book. <laughs> I honestly think I'm a strong believer. If you've been born again for a year and you've never read even the whole New Testament, you're not serious. Mm-hmm. No, you're not serious. Mm-hmm. You've never read all of it. The reason I'm not even saying the whole Bible is because I want to, I want to just... <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I read the whole Bible every year. And I've been born again the last 11 years. All of it, cover to cover. All of it, even the maps. <laughs> I'm joking on that one. <laughs> I once saw someone posted a joke on Facebook. And they said... And maybe the reason pastors don't teach about the maps in the Bible because they're trying to, to hide the directions to heaven. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Ephesians 1, verse 17, the Bible says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ says the Father of glory. Have you seen that? It says the Father of glory. 
may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So here the Bible calls God the father of glory. Now, if God is called the father of glory and he gave birth to you, then who are you? According to the Bible. I don't know if you understand what the Bible is saying here. He calls him the father of glory. In other words, we, we embody the glory of God. We carry the glory of God every, as in, we, we are the very representation of the glory of God. <coughs> How together? Hmm. Yeah. The Bible shows us about, there was such a thing called the glory of Solomon. I'll, I'll, I'll look at that at that time. Now, when the Bible calls, talks about the glory of Solomon, it just simply talk, talks about how, uh, you know, Solomon was a classy man. Hmm. You know what I mean? He liked things. <laughs> There are people who like it in there. Solomon. And Solomon built a whole temple with gold. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can imagine how he built his house then. You know, he liked things like that. So when the Bible talks about the glory of Solomon, it's simply talking about the splendor, the excellence that Solomon was exhibiting. You know what I mean? As in, the, um, one time another queen went to visit Solomon and she, 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 she testified of Solomon's excellence. Just how Solomon was just displaying everything. The beauty that just it, everything came with. All right? Now, when, so when the Bible talks about the glory of Solomon, it's just simply referring to just that, the glory that he represented. So now, when the Bible talks about the glory of God there, or being the father of glory, it simply means we actually represent the, the beauty of God. I don't know if you understand. We represent the beauty of God. We represent what, what, what God is about. Praise the Lord. Yeah, let's go on. I don't want to talk about all the attributes or the things that the Bible calls us, really. But number one, it says the Bible calls us calls God the Father of lights, right? Then number two, it calls him the Father of glory. But I don't want to go into everything. Like I always say, I'm the pastor, I can teach everything the other week. <laughs> anyway, so when you talk about God being your father, there are a few things that I want you to understand. Number one, I want you to understand the love of God. That's very, very key. That's very, very key. That's very, very key. For that, we'll go to Romans chapter number eight. Romans chapter number eight, verse 38. Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8, verse 38. Romans 8, verse 38. Romans 8, 38. The Bible says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, nor height, nor, 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 height, nor depth, nor any, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's interesting. So this, now, I remember I said, if you're going to understand the, the God being your father, you must understand the love of God. All right? Now, the Bible here is showing us something. It says, there is absolutely nothing that can actually separate you from the love of, the, from the love of God. All right? And God is... I honestly, I love seeing God in, in everything, really. Because for me, um, everything shows us the beauty of God. I want you to imagine uh, a parent, all right? Parents are, are one, when, when, you, when, you, when you get to look at how parents love their children, you can, actually, you can actually see the love of God in them. I don't know if you understand. A child can be a junkie to the rest of the world. But to that, to, that, to that mother or that father, they will love that child. I don't know if you understand. A child can fail all the exams ever created by man. <laughs> but then to that parent, they don't want to hear another one say, this, your child is a failure. There will be a fight. You understand that, right? So the Bible there is showing us the love of God. There is absolutely, there is no one who can talk to God 
about not loving you. It says not even angels what the Bible says there. Not, not even death, not life, not principalities. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's very key. When you are talking to someone that you know loves you, the way you relate to them will be different. I don't know if you understand. God is not, is not I always say this in church, God is not looking to punish man. No, he's not. Don't think God is looking forward to judgment. Yes, I've caught them. They are now here. No time for you to repent. Let me deal with you. No, God is not looking to do that. If that's the God you've been taught, he's not. No, he's not. So you can't, you can't be separated from the love of God. And that's something that must sink in your spirit. You can't be separated from the love of God. The love of God and you, as there, there's no separation technique. That's science I ever get that can separate. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Take it to any lab. Nothing, nothing can happen. You know what that means? It means on the love part, it is sealed on God's end. It is sealed. And can I tell you something else? There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. No, there's nothing. No, there's nothing. There is nothing. Because look, everything he did was to show that he loves you. Right? And that was it. He demonstrated it. Let me show you something. Romans again. Romans chapter number 5. Romans chapter number 5 verse 8. 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 The Bible says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us. Have you seen that? God does what? Demonstrates his own love towards us. He says, that while, In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God demonstrated his love for you before you actually even knew you would ever get born again. He says, while you were still a sinner, before, before you received him in your heart, before you got born again, as in he loved you, he, I said, look, there is nothing you can do. If he loved you when you're a mess, what makes you think he's loving you more now, now that he's cleansed you? And when you understand the love of God, you understand that even though, listen, maybe let me, let me destroy some doctrines here a little, okay? You understand that when you are praying for your enemies to die, God loves them. <laughs> no, you must understand. God scatter them. So, so, with the same love, he loves you. He should scatter them. Why did he scatter you when you're, when you're an enemy? <laughs> oh, my enemy should fall. The love of God. The, one, the people he died for. Now he's making them fall because of you. sense it doesn't make any sense do you know that the very person that you may be praying for for them to go for things to go bad the same blood of Jesus was shed for them the same which was shed for you the same blood <laughs> you will love everyone and understand that <laughs> No, you will know that God is not God is not like man where he's, where he's looking to destroy this one and destroy that one and then he loves you. Like because you hate my daughter, I will show you that I'm God. <laughs> no. No, you will love everyone. Yeah, you will love everyone. The Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts, right? By the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, verse 5. <laughs> you will love everyone. You will not pray for, for anyone to, for calamity to fall on anyone. You will know that's a useless prayer. Mm. It's pointless. If you were fasting, just eat. <laughs> no, just eat. You are praying for, for who to die. Mm. You are even killing people in prayers. The things I see sometimes, I, I, get, I get to wonder which God people know. Surely not, not the one the Bible talks about here. 
<laughs> you understand? Yeah. I declare judgment on them. Hmm. You know what? <laughs> I think people are still in the Old Testament. That's why they are, they are able to call a suffer not a waste to live. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> are we there? <laughs> so God loves you. Mm-hmm. Do you remember God loves you? <laughs> yeah. And like I said at first, I, I mentioned how this must become personal. It's easy to believe that God loves everyone. But do you believe that he loves you individually? No. Do you believe that God is able to single you out and love you individually? Or, you've, or you're okay with believing that God loves everyone? Has the love of God become personal to you? Has this love of the Father become a personal revelation for you? Or it's hard to believe? <laughs> Let's go on. John chapter number 16. John chapter number 16. This is one of my favorite portions of scriptures. I think I'll be saying this about every scripture. <laughs> John chapter number 16, verse 25. John chapter number 16, verse 25. John chapter number 16, verse 25. John 16, verse 25. Are we there? John 16, 25. We're there, right? I can read. It says... These things have I spoken to you in the in figurative language. And then he says, But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. Have you seen that? And then verse 26 says, In, in that day you will ask, you will ask in my name. I do not say to you that I, I shall pray the Father for you. Have you seen that? And then verse 27 says, For the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me and you've believed that I've come from the Father. You know what Jesus is trying to say here? Let me explain it in, in, in simple language. What Jesus is trying to teach us here is this. Or what he's trying to say is this. He says, in that day you will ask me, you will ask in my name. Alright? He says, I won't have to ask for the, fa- for the Father on your behalf. In other words. What he's trying to say here is this. In that day, because the Father loves you, you won't have to go through me. To talk to the father. You will talk to the father directly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like if there are certain things that you want to get maybe from your father. There are things maybe you want to go, you have to go through your mother, right? Yes. But then when you understand you can go directly, no me do man whatsoever. <laughs> You just go there and you make the process easier. I don't know if you understand. What this means now is this. Every believer can actually talk to God directly without needing another person to talk to God on their behalf. This means praying through saints. Anyway. <laughs> and they think but Jesus <laughs> you won't have to ask anyone to talk to the father on your behalf no <laughs> you won't you know, you know the most amazing thing <laughs> you know that when the disciples who lived with Jesus you know that even they had to get born again you know that even Mary had to get born again you understand that? I don't know if you understand that. Mm-hmm. But that's a story for another day. So some people think Mary had an automatic entry to heaven because she gave birth, because she gave birth to Jesus. <laughs> like here's a free ticket for you. <laughs> they had to get born again, all of them. <laughs> there was no exception. <laughs> Alright? So he says that day, you, 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 you pray in my name, you ask in my name. In other words, all you have to do now, this, this is talking about this day now, all you have to do now is simply use the name of Jesus in prayer. All you have to do now is simply just use that name. You don't say, Jesus, pray. I pray that you talk to the Father on my behalf. No, you talk to the Father. 
He won't do it for you. <laughs> Praise God. So, understanding the love of the Father, that's very important. And when you understand the fact that the Father actually loves you, on, like he, he, His love for you is personal. When you understand that, like I said, your relationship with Him will be different. How you relate with Him will be different. How you will pray will be different. You are not trying to convince God to get on, on your side. God was on your side before you went on His side. Yeah, as in God's mind was towards you before yours went towards him. And I always tell people this. Do you know that... Let me try to use sim the simplest ways possible, right? Do you know that God's desire to answer your prayers is greater than your desire to pray? Do you know that God desires for you to prosper more than you desire for yourself? More than you want it for yourself? As in, it's amazing how people think they want for the best for themselves more than God wants it for you. <laughs> but let's, let's go on. <laughs> we don't, in prayer, we don't try to convince God to get on our side. <laughs> so, sec the second thing is God being your provider. That's, that's the second thing. So the first thing is understanding the love of God, right? The Father actually loves you personally. The Father loves you personally. He deals, His love for you is personal. Tell your neighbor, his love for you is personal. Yeah, it's personal. And it must become personal for you as well. It must be personal. So the, th the second thing is God being your provider. Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter number 7, verse 8. Matthew chapter number 7, verse 8. Matthew chapter number 7, verse 8. Are we there? Are we there? Matthew 7 verse 8. It says, For everyone who asks what? Receives, right? Let's pause there. The Bible says everyone who asks what? Everyone who asks what? Now, it's either you believe the word of God or you don't. The Bible says everyone who asks receives. Did you receive when you asked? <laughs> The Bible says everyone who asks, everyone who asks receives. So in other words, there is no prayer. You ever pray that, that, that God didn't answer and send an send answer to you? Question, did you receive? <laughs> so it's not on God hearing, it's on you receiving. Have you learned how to receive? No, have you actually learned how to receive from God? I've done a teaching on that it's on our podcast <laughs> extensively. <laughs> you can just go back and listen to how to receive step by step. <laughs> Very easy. <laughs> Says everyone who asks what receives. Everyone. Everyone. Yes, everyone who asks receives. <laughs> do you know? Do you know why most people think they haven't received? is because they relate with God from their senses. God doesn't relate with man from their senses. God is a God of faith. God doesn't deal with man from the senses. He doesn't. He's a God of faith. And until you understand faith, you will not receive. Until you, until you learn faith, until you actually practice faith, until you start growing your faith, you may not receive. Says everyone who asks receive. Everyone. As long as you ask, you receive. Alright? And then it goes on to say. Uh, and he who seeks finds, right? And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And then verse 9 says, Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, he will give him a stone? Verse 10 says, And if he asks for fish, he will give him a serpent. If then, if then being, if, if you then being evil, this is not talking about a believer, by the way. You're not evil. <laughs> so talking to, you're talking to the Pharisees here. <laughs> says, if then you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give you good things to, give good things to those who ask him? In other words, he's telling you, look, if your earthly parents are willing to go all out to ensure that you are, you are in school, 
If your earthly parents are insured, I, I, I willing to go out to ensure that you are provided for, ensure that you are clothed, ensure that all these things are going on in your life. How much more God? Are they greater than God? Are they more concerned than he is? And when you understand this, you will know that you're in prayer. You're not trying to get God to be on your side. God, come through for me. From where? Where is he coming from? No, where is he coming from? You're not trying to get God to be on your side. God is already on your side. It's a, it's a different, listen, there's a difference between when you're going to approach someone to convince them to be on your side. And when you know they're already on your side, you simply explain the idea to them. There's a difference. God is already on your side. He was on your side before he went on his, trust me. Right? Yeah. Says if, 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 if your earthly parents are able to, how much more your father in heaven? How much more your father in heaven? And like I said, when you learn to see God in everything, you will know. When you, you, you'll be able to, you, how, go, how, how your parents treat you, you'll be able to say, how much more God, if my parents can love me like this? If my parents can ensure that I am clothed from the time I was a baby till now. If my parents can ensure that I, I, I have everything here that, that I need. If my parents can ensure that how much more God? Are they greater than him? No. Can they do more than him? No. When you understand this, you will see God differently. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And then when you read Matthew chapter number 6, another interesting portion of scripture. Matthew chapter number 6, verse 25. Matthew chapter number 6, verse 25. Matthew chapter number 6, verse 25. Matthew 6, 25. says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Tell your neighbor, do not worry about your life. Tell them, do not worry, do not worry about your life. That's what the Bible is telling you here. So don't worry about your life. So if you are here and you've been worried about your life, Here's what the Bible is telling you. It says, don't worry about your life. It says, uh, says, therefore, I I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or what your body, or or, 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 no, about your body, rather. It says, what you will put on is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. And then verse 26 says, look at the birds of the air. (laughs) Interesting. It says, look at the birds of the air, right? For they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into burns. Yet your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father, your, your personal, your heavenly Father, right, feeds them. Are you not more? Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add a cubit to his stature? <laughs> so, in other words, by worrying, what do you get? What What do you get by worrying? <laughs> Are you not more valuable? He's giving, you, he's giving you a picture of how God takes care of the birds of the air. They don't plant. Do they? They don't even harvest. Right? It says God feeds them. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, verse 28 says, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory, remember what I said earlier, right? Was not arrayed like one of these. In other words, the glory of Solomon was not even as beautiful as this. Interesting. And then verse 30 says, Now, if God clothes the grass of the field, which is today, which today is and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. <laughs> Interesting. And then verse 31 says, Therefore, do not worry. Another emphasis. Say, do not worry. All right? Do not worry. It says, uh, don't worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? It says, for after, says, for, for after all these things are the, gen, are the gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you need all this. In other words, the father knows that you need them. Before you pray, he already knows that you need them. Why, imagine trying to go to someone who already knows your needs and you're going there trying to cry to them 
and explaining your needs. Who knows exactly what your needs are? The Bible says he actually knows them already. How are we together? And then verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Hmm. So the things that you worry about, <laughs> God is calling them an addition. They're not the major things. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. It says, and all these things shall be added to you. That's what he says, right? Here. And then verse 34 says, therefore, don't worry. Again, he's telling you, don't worry. <laughs> no, don't worry. Let me pause there now. Don't worry. So if God is your provider, and the Bible is showing us here that God is able to take care of you, if he takes care of the field, the grass, if he takes care of the birds, if he takes care of all these things, and God is your father, he calls him your heavenly father, if he indeed is your father, should he not take care of your needs? Should he not? Yeah. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who asks what? Everyone who asks receives. Say, do not worry. The Bible says, don't be anxious for nothing, right? That's what the Bible says. So don't entertain worry. You know, there are certain people who even before they sleep, they sit down to just think about their problems. Like you sit down and, and others even create scenarios that don't even exist. What if it goes this direction? <laughs> the Bible says, don't worry. <laughs> Are we together? And I know I'm talking to someone about this and I'll stick on this point. Don't worry. <laughs> Who are writing the exams? Don't worry. <laughs> Will this be done? Don't worry about as in <laughs> why I why I try to be in charge? No, why do you want to take it off him and just be in charge? It's his responsibility. You are God's responsibility. You are in his care. He's the one who's supposed to ensure you eat. He's the one who's supposed to ensure you're in school. He's the one who's supposed to ensure that you're, you're well clothed. It's his responsibility. Tell your neighbor again, don't worry. You could be talking to someone. <laughs> yeah. Look at them and tell them again, say, don't worry. You point at them and say, don't worry. <laughs> Why are you worried? No. In this economy, where get a job? Don't worry. <laughs> With this business, don't worry. <laughs> Will I make it? <laughs> so the Bible is telling you there. There's no need for you to be worrying. Worrying is an unnecessary thing. It's, 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 it's work. You simply just stress your mind. You know what I mean? You stress your mind. Like your mind is just stressed. Maybe let me give you a testimony. There was one time I was close, like other people have experienced it, to not writing exams because I didn't have money. <clears throat> all right? Like, didn't have money at all. <clears throat> now, for me, the course I studied, the institution I was at, God told me everything. I went in the direction He told me, and I went there. <clears throat> all right? And I found myself at a place where I didn't have school fees mm -hmm. at all. And guess what was happening? Deadline for paying school fees. Monday's exams are coming. Today's Friday. Nothing by morning. By evening, everything was paid for. Mm -hmm. In the morning, you know what God told me? Told me, did I not tell you to go there? I said, yes. Worry not. Mm -hmm. By evening, everything was paid for. Mm -hmm. Everything paid for. Monday, I wrote my exams and cleared. Mm -hmm. So when I tell you, don't worry, I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Are you listening? Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't entertain any worry. Mm -hmm. When I understood these principles about God, as in the moment I sit down and I'm, and I'm, and I'm trying to sense that I'm getting worried about something, ah, 
I know. Mm-mm. This is the flesh. <laughs> this is not God. I remind myself of the scriptures. I go in prayer. Sometimes you have to pray until worry goes. No, some, you have to soak yourself in prayer. Don't come out until your worry has gone. There are, moments, there, are certain, there are certain levels of prayer. You, you don't stop praying because they are tired. <laughs> there, are some time, there are times you have to stop praying simply when it's done. When something is done, when you come out. If it's done after 30 minutes, come out after 30 minutes. If it's done after 5 hours, come out after 5 hours. You understand that even with prayer. Anyway, let me not teach about those things. <laughs> so don't worry. Right? God is actually the one who provides. He's the one who does it. Every other person in your life is simply a channel that God uses. And the fact that one channel is out doesn't mean that the supply is, the supply is out. Yeah. One channel can be out doesn't mean the supplier is, is also out. If you believe that your source is a particular person, the moment they're not there, you'll be doomed. Mm-hmm. But if you believe God is your source, even if that person's not there, you will know one way or another, another source will be created for me to have what I need to have. Mm-hmm. So the revelation of God being your father must be personal. Even when you pray our father, it must be personal. Mm-hmm. You must say, this is my father. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yes, yeah, my father. That means you won't be shouting at God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll be talking to him as your father. <laughs> I think, Lord, here we need to talk. <laughs> you get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, your father loves you already. Mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number two, you must understand that he's actually willing to provide. Mm-hmm. He's willing. Allow him. Allow God to do it. Allow God to provide. Mm. Let's go to another point. Mm. In First Peter, I'll read two more scriptures and it'll be done. First Peter, chapter number five, verse seven. First Peter five, verse seven. First Peter five, verse seven. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. It says, Casting all your cares on him, upon him, for he cares for you. That's already a powerful scripture. That shows that God actually cares. Remember, we're teaching about God being your father, right? Yeah. And you must, these are important principles if you're going to, to relate with God a certain way. Don't think God doesn't care. The Bible says, Casting all your cares, all of them, all of them, all your cares. What, what exactly are your cares in this world? Do you care that when you, when you graduate, you, you, you may struggle to find a job? It says, cast your cares on him. Do you care that perhaps you may struggle A, B, C, D in your life? I don't want to mention certain areas. You may be speaking prophetically to someone. <laughs> it always happens. <laughs> so let me not... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So do you care about, as, what exactly are your cares? Do you care that maybe because you've struggled with school, you may, you, you may not make it in life? <laughs> are those your cares? Mm-hmm. says so casting all of them. Mm-hmm. All of, you know what it means to cast? To throw them. You're not putting them gently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cast them <laughs> on him. says so because he cares for you. In other words, the things you care for, he wants to have them so that you can have the things he cares for. So the Bible is trying to tell you there. So when you move to the things God cares for, you will move to do the things he wants. You will take your sight off what you desire and take your sight on what he desires. You understand? Me, I will die with this mental health issues one day. <laughs> <laughs> this depression will kill me. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> Just cast. Cast it on him. Mm-hmm. You understand? Cast it on him. 
Imagine someone is saying, look, I want to take care of all your responsibilities. Bring them. Give me a list of all of them. I'll take care of them. Sounds amazing. But God, that's what God is telling you. Why aren't you saying mm, to him when you read the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> no, why? see, because you've not actually grown to believe that this is what God is telling you. It's not, it, it has not become personal to you. And until God's word becomes personal, it may not benefit you. This same word that you are reading, it has transformed many people's lives. Many people's lives have been changed. Uh, trust me, I'm one, I'm one product of the word of God. I am a complete product. Complete. You can't trust my life outside the word of God. It's not possible. No, it's not. I am a product of that. I know what the word of God can do to someone. I know what this word can do to someone. Maybe one day we'll write a book. Just maybe. When I feel that is to write. You know what I mean? We'll write one day. I told someone that I don't think Anyway, I don't, I don't think I'm one person who, who aspires to be an author. But if you're here, you're, you're aspiring to be an author, we, we will motivate you. <laughs> but I've been pushed several times by people to write, to write something. But you know the funny thing about people? They'll congratulate you, but not buy your book. <laughs> <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing well, Pastor. <laughs> what kabuku? You're not buying and there are those who buy but don't read. <laughs> the same WhatsApp group. <laughs> yeah. So God actually cares. Alright? God actually cares. And the reason I'm teaching you this, I want you, I want you to follow it well. Because look, your relationship with God is so important. How you relate with God is, it's, listen, there's a difference revelation when you, when you see him as your Lord. It's a different revelation when you see him as your Savior. Right? It's a different revelation when you see him as your father. When you see him as your father, it means you're actually, he, you're, you're calling him your source. Father simply means source. You're simply saying, this is where I came from. I don't know if you understand. Are you following? Yes. Let me show you something. A biblical truth that maybe some of you have not seen in the Bible. Ephesians chapter number one. I want you to see just how real it is. Let's start from verse 19, rather. Ephesians 1, verse 19. How do you read verse 19? It says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? It says, according to, according to, to the working of his mighty power. It says, Which he worked in, in Christ when he raised him from the dead, right? And seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. I, think, I remember teaching about this, right? It says, Far above all principalities, right? Far above what? And says power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the age to come. And it says, and he put all things under his feet, and it says, and gave him to be the head over over things, over all things rather to the church. Right? It says which is his what? It says the head of all things. Maybe let's read twenty-two. Says, and he put him. It says and he put all things rather under his feet. Right? He put all things, right, under his what? All things under his what? Not that. He says, and gave him to be the head, all right, over all things to the church. And then he goes on to say, which is his body, the fullness of him who feels all in all. I don't know if you understand what that means. It means, I don't, let me try to find the, the, best, the best way. It means the church carries the fullness of God. Hmm. You know what that means? It means God is not looking to reveal himself in parts. I don't know if you understand. He's not looking to reveal himself in parts. The church is meant to reveal the fullness of God. The church is meant to experience the fullness of God. What that means is this. The church is simply, when we talk about the church, maybe let me try to, to, to ask, uh, to, to, put, to put it this way. When we talk about the church, we're not talking about just a single congregation. We're talking about the people who are born again. The people who are actually born again. So it means, for example, all the believers who are at Unza, for example, they, they're, they're part of the church. 
You get it, right? All the believers at Cavendish University, all the believers in, in Woodlands or in, on the Copper Belt, all the believers that are part of the church, as long as they're believers, even, even if, let's say, they may disagree on one or two things, part of the church. You understand that, right? And it means those, they are meant to experience the fullness of God. <clears throat> they are meant to experience the totality. That <laughs> Have you ever... Heard someone say, I know that one inside out. <laughs> like I know them every I know everything about that person. God has made the church to be the one to reveal him to the world. In other words, the world can know God without the church. It's not possible. What that means is this. <laughs> God, what he did was this. Hmm. Trying to find the easiest so that everyone understands this. What this means is if you want to trace something about a particular family, you, you, may, you may trace it through one child of that family. Do you understand? You may trace that one child of the family, right? If you want to trace something about God, One believer is enough. Mm -hmm. One. Mm -hmm. One is enough. That means even the revelation of God as the Father. Mm -hmm. We are the ones to exhibit it to the world. How will the world know God provides until he provides for you? No, until God uses you even to provide for others, how will the world know that God is a provider? It means we as the church, we are meant to actually carry out the revelation of God as the father to our world. And let me talk to you, gentlemen who will be fathers one day. That will be your responsibility too. Are you hearing me? I want to hear the gentlemen. Are you hearing me? Yeah. That will be your responsibility. It means you who will be a father in the house, your responsibility is to ensure you reveal the fatherhood of God to your children. Don't just think it's about having like a cute little someone in the house. <laughs> adorable. <laughs> After it's done being adorable, raise them now to reveal the fatherhood of God. You understand? Let's, let, me, let, me, let me move on. The final thing I'll mention is that God actually understands. This is key. Um, in, in Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 15. Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 15. Hebrews chapter number 4. I'll start reading from verse 15. Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 15. I'll start reading from verse 14, rather 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 14 and 15. The Bible says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. All right? Verse 15 is our focus. And I want you to look at it. Hebrews 14, 4 verse, verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with, with our weakness, but was in, all, was, at, was in all points tempted as we were, yet without sin. Let me pause there. It says, Our high priest is actually able to sympathize with our weakness. With our weakness. And then it says he was tempted in all points like we were. In other words, there is no temptation we've experienced that Jesus didn't experience. Number one. But let me, let, me, let me clarify something, right? Let me clarify something. There is a thin line between a weakness and bondage. Right? A thin line. Weakness and bondage are not the same thing. Weakness simply means limitation. There is no, there is no such thing as my weakness is alcohol. That's bondage. 
mimi ndo anakashifia that's bondage mm-hmm. so when the bible says in sympathizes our weakness he's not talking about those things that you are just addicted you just can't let go of drinking <laughs> no god is sympathizing with my with my with my with his habit no he's not mm-hmm. weakness limitation mm-hmm. are we together are we together yeah so the bible is talking about there So a thin line. What many people call weakness that's a, it's a, they're just bound. Mm. Bound. Mm. And it's evident, it's very clear. Mm. So there he says he actually sympathizes to our weaknesses and then he says he, he actually let, let's let's read it together. He says uh he says but at, but was in was in all points tempted as we are. In other words, as you are tempted now, he was tempted like that as well. And then he says yet without sin. So, don't you think Jesus understand what you're going through? <laughs> He does. He does. And the reason why I'm bringing all these points to you like like I said earlier is because I want you to understand when you're related with God as a father, you must know the kind of father you're dealing with. You must know that he's not an absent father. You must know that he's not a father who is looking to punish you. You understand? He is not that father. Maybe some of you had had interesting fathers you know those, that type where when you just hear they are they, they get they all run into us your own rooms <laughs> even had a nickname for him <laughs> maybe that's the type of father that you had mm-hmm. but then that's not the type of father god describes himself to be that's not the type of father that, that the bible is showing us here god is not an absent father and god is actually willing to be there and raise you That is why when you understand this even when you've when you've learned the wrong things in life God is able to take you up and raise you as his own with new ideas with with a new mindset with new principles and that is why it's important to be in the word of God that's how God raises us up that's how God trains us he uses his word to train us to bring us up into what he wants us to be I don't know if you understand Yeah. It's important. And when you're in prayer, you must understand that you're actually dealing with your father. And when you're talking to your father in the natural, how do you talk to your father? You know that he will listen, right? Yeah. So don't think with God you have to go through all these procedures. No, the angel, the first angel must approve. And the second angel now, is this one worthy? <laughs> When they assess that you are worthy, so now you can just reach out to where God is. Now talk to me, my son. No. <laughs> God wants to listen to you directly. And that is why it's important for every believer to have their own prayer life. It's very very important. I always tell this to people. The 20 minutes intercession you pray in church is not enough. That can't be your prayer life. No, it can't. <laughs> Today we prayed. I even felt the spirit. When you are done feeling the spirit, go home and pray again. <laughs> You must have a concrete prayer life. Concrete. You must be able to see God on your own. Because you are dealing with a father who is interested in having a in having a relationship with you. You understand that, right? Yeah. Fatherhood also means relationship, right? Relationship. That's what it means. Relationship. And that's the kind of relationship God wants to exhibit. That's the kind of relationship God wants to show, wants to show you. That is actually willing to actually teach you. What are some of the things that perhaps you could have learned from the world that you need to unlearn? There are some things that when you're a child, you maybe have you may, you may be learned from your neighbors or from your friends. When you got home, your parents rebuked you. We don't do that in this house. You understand that, right? No, we don't do that in this house. Who taught you that? You understand? One time God was walking in the garden and and Adam says he was hiding himself because he was naked. God asked him, "Who told you?" Because clearly you didn't get the information from me. Mm. Who have you been talking to? Mm. And that is why all the information you know about life, who actually told you? Who trained you in the ways that you know? No, who trained you the ways that you know, the wisdom that you've picked? Or have you learned it from social media? Has God actually been the one who has raised you? Have you been raised by God? Are you following? Yeah. When when you understand that you you will know 
how you pray will be different. You will not pray the same way. You will not pray the same way. You will not address God as, as just anything or, any, or, or, just, or just anyone. No. You address him as your father. When you say my father, it will be personal. You know what you mean. Say my father. He is my father. You understand? When you say my God, you know he will be your God. You know that indeed he is. Praise God. Yeah. When you call him my Lord, you know he is your Lord. It's personal. It's more than just some, some theory out there. It's more than just some belief system out there. When you, when, you know that God is actually, when you know that God is actually the one who does all these things for you, it will be different. God is, God is the one who actually even protects. That's another point that maybe I may not touch, but I'll, but I'll explain it a little, right? God is actually the one who protects. Isn't he the one who actually said, no weapon fashion against you shall prosper? So why are the weapons prospering? Why are the weapons first prospering? Because sometimes, and, and there are some believers who are afflicted by the devil. They are, right? Yeah, but so it means there are weapons that are prospering against them. Why are they prospering? If he says no weapons shall prosper, means there's something you've not learned. There's something you've not understood about, about this God you're dealing with. I don't know if you, you understand. Let's get on our feet. Have you learned something? Relate with God as your father. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Relate with God as what? Relate with God as what? Close your eyes and lift your hands. Everyone's eyes closed and hands lifted.